Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 420. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here today. And I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Natasha Storovic Cohen. Cohen? Oh my gosh, Cowan. Natasha, we've talked so many times and I didn't even like just jumped in. Positive Productivity is not about perfection. You would have thought though that I would have gotten your name right now. It is a mouthful and a jumble of alphabet soup. Oh, I love that. I'm going to have to use that. I mean, there have been episodes where I got positive productivity out of my mouth wrong. And my name, I even mispronounced my name wrong. Like, how do I mispronounce my own name on my own podcast? Like, hello, Kim. Anyway, listeners, Natasha is the owner of NBC Consulting, and you can find a whole load of information about what she does at spiraldynamics.org, but we're going to really dig in. But Natasha, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to actually... Well, number one, have you here? And number two, get our fabulous conversation recorded because listeners, I wish sometimes that I pushed record like a half hour before I did because there's so much awesomeness that happens before I actually push the red button sometimes. But Natasha, welcome. Thank you, Kim. And I just love, love talking to you. We were just talking about how we spark one another's ideas and have these light bulb moments. And I just said to Kim, you flick on my light bulbs. Yep. I love it. And then we were talking about Bulletproof Coffee, which I'm going to have to try. And You have to try the Bulletproof. (laughs) Yes. And how everything's on fire right now for me, but without the actual fire. So... Natasha, I would love if you would share with the listeners what your journey has been and how you got to where you are today. That's a big question, Kim. That is a huge question. You know, change is fascinating for me and culture is fascinating for me and how people connect and cohere and conflict is fascinating for me. And I think that really comes from being from a country that no longer exists, moving countries multiple times during my lifetime and really facing into cultural conflicts multiple times and seeing how um, I was in the fashion business, for example. And I mean, I thought I just really hit the best that my life could be. And overnight, my industry and my business and the companies I worked for and the companies I served were gone. And it had to do with NAFTA. And it really got my attention that change could happen in an instant And that if we weren't paying attention to the world in different ways, we wouldn't survive. It was just really tough to survive that. And that's an industry that's really suffered tremendous tumult. I did not realize that, actually. It just shows you what part of the news and business or what industries I don't follow. But I had no idea that there had been such tumultuous change over there. The textile industry has essentially moved to China. So there are entire towns that have been turned into ghost towns across the nation. Wow. 
I mean, I started my career as an interior architect, and I remember going to see carpet mills. And I can imagine that they would be affected in a bit of the same way. And they already looked like ghost towns, to be totally honest, when I would go see these towns. Yeah. And I haven't been in the industry for 10 years now. Mm-hmm. There were just whole towns in Georgia that were yes one carpet mill after another. It was quite... Gone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was talking to uh, a gal this morning who works in restructuring organizations. And we were talking about how you try to explain to somebody what the next iteration of themselves or their business is going to look like. And they really can't grasp it because it hasn't been a lived experience. And if you said to me 20 plus years ago, Natasha, in a couple of years, your industry is going to be gone. That's a vision that I couldn't have even held in my head. And that's how most of us are. We have our experience of today. We have our experiences of yesterday. We can imagine out just a little bit, but we can't really imagine the transformations that we're going through. And now it's happening at an accelerated rate. It's happening faster. It's more crazy. And we just have to be more and more resilient and take in things that we've never taken in before. That brings up so many interesting points. Just in the last week, somebody told me that they are predicting another major financial downswing in the next year or two. So I was looking at my business and thinking about my clients and thinking, okay, how will my business survive this? And how can I help my clients' businesses to survive this? But even just in the past five years, I've seen tremendous change. And I don't work with the same types of clients that you do. I work with solopreneurs and teams of two to three, whereas you're working with corporate. But how do we sustain? I mean, I've seen the big surge of online courses. Everybody was promoting their online courses, and now people are getting a little bit tired of that. So how do we take it to the next level? But when you're working with corporate, I mean, change and resilience, you can't just flip a switch and change from day one to day two. I mean, there's review processes and boards and committees, and there's a lot more. So we have to be looking into the future a lot more in advance. That wasn't very eloquent, but I know what I was trying to say. Yeah, well, what corporate's trying to do is get more flexible and resilient as well. One of the organizations that I worked with, because they were fully focused on resilience, we outlined 12 resilience mile markers for them. We built a scorecard for them. We measured before and we measured after, and they crushed 11 out of their 12 resilience mile markers. But they're struggling with the exact same thing that solopreneurs are struggling with, which is understanding the environment that they're working in, understanding how to flex to that environment, knowing what their vision, their mission is, pursuing it, understanding what is written in ink and understanding what's written in pencil and being flexible for a changing marketplace because what they're scared of is some kid in a garage who's developing the next app that's going to put their business out of business. Hmm. Yeah. When I started my business in 2012, I thought I knew, well, no, actually, to be totally honest, I had no idea what I was doing. I was flying by the seat of my pants. But within 
two years, I thought I knew exactly what I was doing. And when it didn't work, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again with the same results. So I was struggling. I mean, listen back to any of the previous podcast episodes, listeners, and you'll hear how we have gone through tumultuous times. I mean, our, I mean any, any given week, any one of our utilities could be shut off just because I wasn't changing. But I was so set that this is how it has to be. And then I had my big aha. And I realized you are chasing the dollar instead of the impact that you're trying to make. And honestly, until that point, I didn't even know what impact I was trying to make. But when I made that switch, it all changed. And now I do feel resilient. But what's the difference between being resilient and being able to go from one thing to the next? And the reason why I ask this is because so many of us have a problem with multitasking, right? Going from one thing to the next is different from being resilient. Mm. Can you address that? Well, you were talking about addressing a very important thing in your world, which is we live in a capitalistic marketplace. We do. If you don't pay for your utilities, they could be turned off. If you don't pay for your internet, it'll be turned off. But what you did was you made the transformation from these are the results I have to have to how do I deliver value to my clients and what is in my beingness that wants to express itself. I never thought about it like that. So I went from selling stuff to providing value. Yeah. To expressing the value that's within you with your talents and your gifts. Mm. Yeah. So in terms of resilience, you can be jumping from one thing to another, as you were talking about. How do I make money on this or make money on that or make money on the other thing? But if you get to the core of who you are and your gifts and what you want to contribute to the world and how you want to serve and who you want to be in the world, then you've got the fuel that runs to that beingness because then you've got a sense of this is who I am in all places. This is the ink that I am in the world and the stuff that I produce might shift and it might change and the product of what you produce might be different and that's the pencil stuff but by holding on to who you are you can be more resilient because you've discovered that and resilience takes a whole ton of forms yeah so I know you and I have talked about this book before Lingo by Jeff Shaw. I was reading it this morning a little bit more. I still haven't finished it. I've been reading it for three months. That's just how books get read in my house. But this morning, I was reading a section where he was talking about niching our audience, becoming super niched. And he was addressing the fact his tribe is called Creative Warriors and how you can niche yourself, but you can also leave that niche a little bit broad. So you don't have to get super fine line down. And listeners, you've heard me talk about chronic idea disorder and jumping from thing to thing. But all of a sudden this morning, it just clicked with me and it clicks even again now with what you just said, when we become really super passionate about what we're doing and we know the impact that we're trying to make, it doesn't need to be just one product. So we can change with the times and still provide immense value. I love how everything starts like clicking you read something, you talk to somebody, and all of a sudden it's just, it's like, you're supposed to be hearing this message, Kim. Are you listening? 
what is emerging, what is seeking to emerge, Uh and isn't it funny how the messages come when we're most ready to hear them? And they've been there before. We just didn't pay attention. Right. So I was working with the gal who just wouldn't hear the messages. And I kept trying to point them out. And she just didn't hear them. She wasn't ready. It wasn't registering. There was a lack of resilience. There was a lack of flexibility. But there's nothing like when somebody says to you, and I was working with a CEO who said, Natasha, I've been working with another consulting firm for the last year, paying just top dollar. And in one hour, you figured it out. And I got more from you in one hour than I got this entire year with this other big dollar firm. Why do you think that was? Did you just speak the right language? And that's not a just, but sometimes that is a huge component of how we provide value is how are we speaking to our clients? Well, part of it was we've got an assessment suite. So before I work with my clients, I have them run through the assessments. And the assessments tell us a lot. It tells us about how they see the world, how they're motivated, what their unique leadership approach is, how they prefer to be managed or to manage, what some of their blind spots are, how resilient they are, some of the places where they get stuck, how they respond to change. So once I had that, I had a whole view of what was happening for her, at least one side of the diamond, right? And we were able to go through and match not the problem that she thought she had, but the underlying deeper problem. And she was open to hearing it. Mm -hmm. She'd gotten to the place where she was frustrated and she knew she wasn't getting the results and her organization wasn't responding to the market and the opportunities the way they wanted to and the timing was good and she was ready to listen and sometimes we say the same thing over and over and they don't listen and at this particular time we had the assessments she was ready we had the conversation and the magic happened You're almost like a functional medicine doctor for corporations. You're getting in there and you're looking at the symptoms and not just the problems. We're looking at the underlying deep root causes Mm -hmm. of what's happening with the causes. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't work for everybody. I'm going to a conference later this year with a bunch of transactional folks who really make profound differences in organizations because they're behind the funding of organizations and who's going to merge with whom and who's going to acquire whom and how deals are made. And when we have conversations around culture and around the people, it's a blind spot for them. And there's a small slice of those transactional people who are starting to come around and say, we need to look at the people stuff. Because when I've interviewed C-suite executives, a lot of them are so focused on the results, they're figuring the people stuff will take care of itself. And after they've been banging their heads against the wall for 15, 20, 25 years, they look at the common thread. And the common thread always is the people. And once they're ready to look at 
How are people processing? How are they relating? How do they fit? What are their zones of genius? What brings out the best in them? What's the full expression of their potential? How can they flex and change? Once they're ready to start looking at that, then they're ready to start working with people like me. Wow. It's so funny that you bring that up. Not like haha funny, but especially considering we were just talking about our teams before this call. And that's something that has changed in my business as well. And I'm sure it's changed in yours is how I hire now, because it's not about the results. I mean, it's going to be about a month before this episode is released, but I shared how I am building my team. And I have a four or five step application process. Yes, there's the initial application, but that's just the beginning because I want to make sure that we work well together. I want to make sure that I get the responses that I'm looking for and that I even get the responses. And I want the people who are excited to work together. And if they follow through and they answer five rounds of emails, I know that might sound tedious, everybody, but I have tools that help me get through this. So I'm not doing it for every person individually. But by the end, I've already figured out, yes, we're going to be great. But I also want those people who are going to be as excited to work with the team and to create the results as about actually working on the results. Well, you have to make sure because the thing is, Kim, as you know, our businesses are a system and they're a piece of a larger system. And if you get one wrong person, it can utterly shatter the workings of that system. Oh my gosh. And it's a system that provides service. It's a system also of relationship. And if we don't have our internal relationships right within our businesses, how can we serve and support our customers? And how do we fit seamlessly into the work that they need to do and support them? Yeah. Well, one wrong team member can be like a virus, just like a virus on our website. Yeah. It can wipe out everything. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier about doing online training and I've got some online training and the way I work it is as an action learning team. The team has to perform because the learning comes from the team. And I've said to them frequently, you guys can follow me around. I can be with one of you 24 hours a day, seven days a week and keep trying to download. But it's not going to work as well as all of you working together as a team. And we've had a number of teams just not work because of one single member. And it just seeps through the entire group and they can't describe what it is. So just the same way as we protect it online for those online groups, we have to protect it for our face-to-face business, for our businesses, the people who work face-to-face and those who work with our clients. Is there any easy way to assess people when they're being considered to enter your team? We talked about the Colby assessment in our pre-chat. I'd never taken it, so I don't know what it is. But I've been asked to take uh, different assessments when applying for different positions. Are they really effective? Or what would you recommend? 
Well, Colby is a fantastic tool. And uh, what I recommend is finding a really great tool that's validated for employment. Mm -hmm. It isn't going to guarantee that you don't fail, but it'll decrease the odds tremendously. Yeah. And when you know what you need on your team, when you know the kind of person and what they need to do to get the work done, then you can look for that. But then there's also just that piece of magic, that piece of magic where people just connect. And one of the organizations that I was working with were working on what they're calling collaboration. And collaboration is just basically our people connecting. And 50% of projects fail because of lack of collaboration. That's because people are digging in their heels or misunderstanding one another or getting into conflict or they don't know the outcomes. But basically, it's because they don't know how to work together effectively. And when they're working together effectively, magic happens. And in a world where we have increased competition, where margins are narrower, where we're really relying on innovation, our next economy is going to be how well people connect and how fluidly they work together. That is so valuable right there. Wow. And that's something you can't duplicate. No, we can can't. duplicate the machines. We can duplicate the processes. We can copy somebody else's funnel system of using Infusionsoft or whatever, right? We can copy that. But what we can't copy is the connection and the relationships that we have. And every one of those is, it's like a snowflake. I mean, they're original. They're unique. The relationship and connection that you and I have will never be duplicated, Oh, no. I might be turning on your 60-watt bulb, but somebody else might have, you know, a 15-watt, one of those fancy candelabras. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because the electricity that goes between us is going to be very different electricity because we're different people. Absolutely. But that's the connection. Mm. And that's where we have our next generation of competitive edges. What do you do for your clients? Do or produce like, or what is the value that you provide to your clients? I think it really depends on the client. And I say it's revealing internal and external worlds to them. Ooh. And they don't know always what that means. But for some of the individuals, it's about what's happening within you that's causing your outer world to be the way it is. And for teams, it's looking at some of those invisible connections between them and why they're getting into conflict or why they're not performing or why they're not producing and for organizations, so notice the scale that I'm working at, it's individual, department, team, larger organization. What is the internal culture like? How do we use culture as the wind at our back rather than the ball and chain around our feet dragging us down? And one of the organizations we worked with, we helped them really get in touch with a shifting marketplace they were growing at 10%. They thought they were doing great. And we revealed to them that their competition was growing at 25%. 
and they needed to make some significant shifts internally so that they could more easily adapt to this shifting marketplace. So that's what I mean by revealing internal and external worlds. What's internal to the organization is its people, its culture, the way their different departments work together. What's internal to the department is how those different pieces and people relate to one another and what stops them from getting the results that they want and transforming and changing into the next best iteration of who they can be. And very often people are trying to be somebody that they're not. And organizations are trying to be somebody that they're not. Or they're reading the latest, greatest fad and saying, I need to be that. And they could never be that because that's not who they are internally. That's not the kind of thing that the next best iteration of their system can produce or become. Right. Chevy is not going to be Tesla. Right. If I have a size six foot, I'm never going to be able to walk around in size 12 shoes Mm -hmm. or even in size five shoes. So we have to match what we're doing to who we are and make sure that we set up for the next growth spurt. Right. And I think that's what our tools enable people to do is see where they are, but also see where they're growing to. The name Spiral Dynamics all of a sudden just makes completely sense to me. I see it now. I'm embarrassed to tell you this because... Well, it's constant iterations. Right. And, you know, you're talking about niching and how everybody's saying, you know, you got to niche down as narrow and specific as you can. And the Spiral Dynamics tribe is very wide and very vast It includes people who are solopreneurs, it includes doctors, it includes educators, it includes corporates, it includes people who are fascinated with the people stuff and how humans evolve and grow and think and change. And so we can have a multi-millionaire in one of our advanced invite-only groups along with a world-renowned musician Mm -hmm. and they don't really know or even care about that in one another because what they're interested about is what's alive and true in that person and how they're exploring human nature together oh i love that i'm seeing right now i'm a very visual like i see things in my head that makes me sound like i'm on something but i can even see the spiral in my own business i have the dynamics of my podcast. I have my team. I have the products that we're offering and the the value that we're providing. And I can just see how they circle around and spiral around to each other and how they add value to each other. And then that value that's provided and explored inside then starts seeping out in the best way of the word to the outside. And yeah, and the connections. Yeah. And the connections between them and how they relate to one another. And it's like these giant diagrams and pictures and connections and all of that spinning around. And you are making visible and visual in your head what's been invisible. Absolutely. And I just started thinking about DNA, like mm-hmm. the DNA of our business. Yes. So, <laughs> so you are helping individuals and companies have healthier DNA, essentially, so that they can... 
I love how you just got that so intuitively because one of the forms that lies under the spiral is really DNA. DNA, yep. And our mentor, our researcher, the guy whose work this is based on, was inspired by Watson and Crick's DNA model. And it really is, what is external world like? What is the internal world like? What is the individual like? What is their outside like? Inside, outside, inside, outside, dancing together. Wow. So before I started this round of my business, I was working with American Honda and I was in the packaging department. And I can see now how just that one part of the business connected with all the other parts. And if one department changed, the rest had to be a little bit flexible and move with them. And how there was the interdepartmental communication, and then it kept on going outwards. Oh, I can see it all. I feel like the Phil, layers, what's the, the song? spirals, yeah. the Russian doll connects. <laughs> yeah. Is it Phil Collins? I can see clearly now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's Phil Collins. Listeners, don't judge me on being able to identify musicians with songs. That's not my forte. I'm with you on that, Kim. <laughs> yeah. I know a specific handful of songs and the rest. I just like the tunes. Don't ask me to sing either. I'm so excited right now because, I mean, I seriously have a DNA strand in front of my face, in my head, thinking about my business and how it can all be working together. Oh, You are seriously intuitive, Kim. I never thought about that before. I'm going to have to explore that more. Yeah, I think you're psychic, actually. Really? Seriously, we didn't talk about the double helix at all. And the fact that this emerged for you is, I think, is utterly magical because it's a very core part of what we do. Yeah. Listeners, we have never discussed this. And we have had, what, five to ten conversations in the last couple of months? We've we have, never yeah. chatted about that. Wow. Wow, that's so exciting. I can't believe how energized I am right now just thinking about what you do. And this morning I was actually sending out emails to prospective team members. And now I can see how the questions that I'm asking are those well, lines so that connect the think, different pieces. Yeah. Think about it like this, Kim. Mm -hmm. You can have an individual. Yep. Let's say you're hiring a new team member and there's you and there's this new team member. You can be the most amazing person on the planet and you are. And that person can be the most amazing person on the planet. And that doesn't matter. It's what happens in the space in between the two of mm. you where the magic is. And most people can't see that space in between. And sometimes, I mean, think of it like pipes going between the two of you right? Sometimes you're receiving, sometimes you're giving, and then sometimes those pipes get clogged. And for some of us, we can clear up the pipes, we can restore the connection and the communication, it works well, and sometimes those pipes just don't fit. And it's no fault of either person, it's just that that connection isn't going to work. And if we can do that- I just choked on my coffee. I'm thinking about my husband, Dave, and then my ex-husband, my ex-husband was just that pipe that did not fit. <laughs> but I can see how it's the same thing in my team, too. I've had those assistants that just did not work. I mean, they had to go. The communication wasn't there. We tried. but it And you want it to work. 
and yeah. you, both sides try and there's just something that's not working. Mm-hmm. And if you're attuned to that connect, that's like I keep calling it the space in between, that's where your human system is created. That's where relationship is created. It's where culture is created. It's where team is created. It's where productivity is created. And all too often, we keep focusing on the person because we don't see beyond the people involved. And there's a magic in seeing what's between the people. Wow. I don't think I've ever been just so excited. Like, Well, by DNA, okay? I failed biology. I got as close as I could. But I've never been so excited about this. Oh my gosh. Natasha, I know that listeners are excited about everything that we're talking about as well. Where can listeners find you online? And I know you have an assessment, but where can they go to learn more and connect with you? Well, they're more than welcome to visit us on our website, which is www.spiraldynamics.org. And there's a ton of free resources and reports and they can just go to advanced resources and feel free to download anything that looks interesting to you. Listeners, the link for Spiral Dynamics will be in the show notes, but you can find it at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP420. I know you might be driving around the elliptical. Please don't try to type and drive at the same time. Natasha, I want to have you back again because I know that we're just scratching the surface of so much bigger of a conversation. I mean, I feel like this was just mind blowing. And I think we need a part two. Well, I would love to, Kim. I just love our conversations and I love our connection. And you've been just so gracious and intuitive and insightful. And I love how you bring stuff out in just such a smooth, natural, organic way. Thank you. I love our conversations too. I'm just realizing, however, that I'm so excited about this that my brain and my mouth are having overload. (laughs) They've lost the ability to connect with each other. Maybe I need to go make a cup of bulletproof coffee and figure out what I'm trying to do next. I'll send you my magic recipe. Please. Yes. Natasha, I just want to thank you again. This has been seriously mind-blowing. So thank you times 100. And I look forward to every future conversation that we have. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer listeners for part one of our conversation? I think that the biggest thing that we can do is to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and living into that next piece of who we will become and not restricting ourselves by who we've been in the past. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.